Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Anita Norwich and Mindel Cohen. Anita is Tikva Freimer Kensky, Collegiate Professor Emirata of English and Judaic Studies at the University of Michigan. Her most recent book, A Refugee in New York, is a translation of a Yiddish novel by Kadia Molodovsky. She's also the author of numerous books, including Writing in Tongues, Yiddish Translation in the 20th Century, Discovering Exile, Yiddish and Jewish American Literature in America During the Holocaust, and The Homeless Imagination in the Fiction of Israel Joshua Singer. Mindel is the Yiddish Book Center's Director of Translation and Collection Initiatives and the President of the Board of Directors of Ingeveb, a journal of Yiddish studies. She received her Ph.D. in Comparative Literature from the University of California, Berkeley, and her dissertation here and now, The Modernist Poetics of Doe Kite, explores the connections between the representation of place in modernist Yiddish literature and revolutionary politics in the interwar period. Welcome to you both. I'd hope to get you both on a call. Um, I know we're all in our various remote locations due to the pandemic, um, so having a conversation with you all together today is quite fun on many different accounts. It's great to connect. Um, and what I'm hoping to do today is to talk to you both about your recently published pieces on women Yiddish writers and their work. So. To get us started, I was wondering if I could ask each of you to give sort of a brief backstory, as it were, to what prompted you to write the pieces um, and sort of how you wrestled with the topic. So, Mindel, maybe we would start with you. Um, you recently wrote a piece for the L.A. Review of Books, The Feminine Ending on Women's Writing in Yiddish, now available in Yiddish. So tell us a little bit about this. Yeah, and I think it makes sense to start also because it um, it's interesting, women writers as a category, as a concept, is not really a, a topic of my research as a scholar, but it's something that I've been paying more and more attention to in my work at the Yiddish Book Center as the Director of Translation Initiatives, because um, there is this really interesting trend and there's this growing body of, of wonderful work available in translation of writing done by, by women who wrote in Yiddish. And that's surrounded by a lot of really excellent scholarship and teaching that, that's happening around the same topic. So it's been something that's been unavoidable for me to learn more about and think more about as I've been working with this, this wonderful group of, of translators who translate from Yiddish into English. So probably last year, um, the the Los Angeles Re Review of Books got in touch to see if I would write a review of um, the new translation of stories by Yen Tamash that was translated by Ellen Cassidy, which I was very excited to do. And then the book sat on my table and I started um, feeling more and more guilty about how long it was taking me to get to writing this review. And at the same time, you know, last summer, Anita and I got to have wonderful conversations about the research she's been doing on Kadia Molodovsky and, and other women writers uncovering novels that they had written that have been, you know, completely forgotten or almost completely forgotten or left off of coursework and things like that. So those, those two things, the Yen Tamash book, seeing Anita's work, uh, my colleague Jessica Kierzain was, was in the final stages of publishing her translation of Miriam Kripilov's Diary of a Lonely Girl, 
it, it started to feel like um, a real trend and a real moment, at least, uh, that was maybe an interesting way to, to put all of this exciting work that's happening in Yiddish translation into a framework that resonates with, you know, political and social moments that are, that are relevant in our times right now, that there is, you know, through the Me Too movement and different things, attention to, you know, the marginalization of, of women and the different challenges for women in all kinds of professional and creative fields to have their work recognized and appreciated. So this piece that I wrote for LA Review of Books ended up being um, a kind of group review of um, six translations that have come out, five of them in the last two years, which is really incredible. One that came out a couple of years before, that's the uh, translation of Bluma Lempel's stories by Ellen Cassidy and Yermiyahu Arantaub, um, to, to present them, to, to show it as a kind of um, moment of attention to, to women's writing, to Yiddish writing, and to um, translation into English, that all of those kind of things were, were having a moment that um, gave us these, these six wonderful books that people can read. And Anita, you recently wrote a piece for Ingeveb, um, Translating and Teaching Yiddish, Prose by Women. Talk a little bit about, um, you know, that piece. Uh, you come at it from a lot of different angles, and, and certainly we need to give a nod to the fact that your scholarship and writing has dealt with um, bringing women writers to the forefront for, for, a, for a while now. Well, thank you for that. Um, I, I, I came to, to doing work on, on particularly on women um, rather late in my career, although there had always been a thread uh, that began for me with, um, actually with, with my first book, which was on Israel Joshua Singer, um, and, as you mentioned. And uh, while writing that book, I sort of stumbled across this sister who had written, Esther Singer Kleitlin, who has now been the subject of, of some scholarship and, and um, reissuing of work. Um, and uh, I remember thinking even then that I had never heard of a Yiddish novel by a woman. And that seemed impossible. Uh, and, you know, long story short, I, I, I began doing more and more work on women and I, and I again stumbled every every sentence about women's writing has to begin with the word stumbled um, or contain it somewhere in the in the sentence because it's very hard to find bibliographies that will do anything uh, useful for you in this research um, although i hope i'm beginning to create some of those uh, and while i was writing um, uh, the book discovering exile i saw this novel by kaja molodovsky who of course uh, was known as a poet and uh, most of the writers that we know, most of the female writers that we know from Yiddish, uh, we know more broadly through translation, some excellent translations, uh, but we know women as poets. And my work has always been most concerned, not exclusively, but mostly concerned with prose. Um, and I began reading more and more things that said women didn't write novels in Yiddish or they wrote what are called domestic novels in Yiddish um, it wasn't their genre, and I, I couldn't find sources that, that, that proved that. <laughs> that is, it, it, it struck me more and more as an urban myth, um, and I wanted to know if it was true. 
And uh, I'm happy to say that it's not true, um, that women did write novels, that I, 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 I've written this uh, elsewhere, but um, I think the, the, the most wonderful thing for me that I uh, realized was that um, you could call these novels domestic if you think of the domestic as attempting to set up a home, of finding a home, of establishing a home, uh, given the political, economic, religious upheavals of the periods in which uh, they were written. Uh, that is, uh, these women engaged with the same politics, with the same sexual revolution, with the same everything um, that uh, their uh, their male peers did as well, and they were as involved in the po many of them were as involved in the politics of the of the period um, as anyone. And I just wanted to see what was in the prose writings, um, and also to counter the well, not just to counter the myth about them not having written anything, but well, I should back up. I I, I once. Um, I won't say where or when, but publicly made the mistake of saying that I was, um, uh, I was not in favor of separate women's writing as a category um, or of teaching courses that were only about women or only about men or only about anything only. Um, and uh, with the years, I've come to think more and more that uh, not that I was wrong then, but that I, it was the wrong time uh, for what I was saying then. That is, because women have been so underrepresented on the curricula, on the syllabi, um, in the criticism, in the publication, in the translation um, of Yiddish, uh, that they needed a little special attention now. And that's what I'm hoping to continue to do, along with um, some of the people that... Uh, um, Mindel mentioned, uh, and others who are doing, um, I think, really important work in bringing uh, these texts to the fore. So I'm going to skip ahead on a couple of accounts because of what you just said, Anita. Because one of the questions I wanted to put to you both, and, you know, again, I don't know if it would get pushback, but here it goes. Um, you know, wh when do you think we get to the place, or do you want us to get to the place where we no longer Distinguish these as women writers. Um, you know, in the same way, an actor is an actor now. Um, do we want to see um, and look at this work in terms of its belonging to a canon of literature, or do we continue to need to identify them as women in order to make sure that they their work gets privileged in the same way that we, we have access to it? Uh, so, um, I, I don't think, um, personally, I don't think that we can answer that question now. Uh, that is, I'm stuck in, in, uh, in, an, in a number of ways in, in attempting to answer that question. One is that I keep remembering, um, you know, I, I went to grad school under these circumstances, uh, with, with the essays that said writing like a man or writing as a woman or writing like a woman and thinking, you know, this was when, when we would uh, 
play these games where we would take a paragraph or a few sentences and you know give them out in a grad class and say, was this written by a man or by a woman? That is, the prose itself doesn't contain gender. Um, and increasingly, we are um, it, we're trying to move. I mean, if you if you think of of uh, all of the uh, discussions of uh, um, gender uh, binaries and the attempt to eliminate uh, gendered binaries, that will eventually, I suspect, have an effect on the way in which we talk about the literature as well. But we haven't yet uh, uh, eliminated binaries. Um, uh, We pay attention to them. And I think that's the stage that we're at now, where we pay attention to the fact that these women have been ignored, uh, that they've been written out of most of the histories of Yiddish literature, and that it's time to write them back in. Whether I uh, am anticipating a period where we don't need to do that, uh, it would be nice to anticipate that. It'd be nice to anticipate the coming of the Messiah, but at the moment, I'm living in this world. Yeah, I'll I'll add to that. Um, I agree absolutely with what Anita's saying, and I would add two things. I mean, one, it's it's interesting that a conversation and a debate about the category of women writers has been part of the conversations and debate about what modern Yiddish literature is, you know, since its early periods, at least in the early 20th century. And in some ways, that conversation goes back much further. Um, so it, it's interesting. It's one of those things like the debate about is Yiddish dying? Um, do we need to save Yiddish? In some ways, that, that the debate of, you know, uh, what is a woman? What is a woman writer in Yiddish is as old as those bigger debates about what is Yiddish literature. So the question itself is a part of the study of the history of the literature that's meaningful to engage with. And I think, yeah, similarly, even if we can imagine a world in which um, bias based on gender and sexuality doesn't exist, it will have been an important part of the world that these works were written in. And so it will remain an important way of engaging with them and understanding the context that they came from and and the ideas that they explore. and the last thing I would say, though, about, you know, do we need this as a frame and, and what does it do to the literature to read it through this frame is I don't think any of us want to read, you know, these wonderful works only through the frame of understanding them as literature written by women. It's one important way of, of understanding them and of thinking about them in categories and in context, but of course there are so many other interesting questions that you can pose to these works and other interesting frameworks that you can read them through, which Anita was talking about, right? The ways that they engage with the politics of the time, the social revolutions of the time, those are all different frameworks through which we can read Karpilov's writing or Molodovsky's writing, but we can also read them through the context of, of literature written by women that maybe also foregrounds women's experience in different ways um, from other writing. 
And Anita, you open your piece with one of the exciting things about Yiddish literary study is how it seems to renew itself constantly by disrupting notions of a canon. Would I'd like to ask you both um, then sort of in terms of assessing this canon and such um, and continuing on this conversation, how do you both bring that into your work in terms of this disruption? Um. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm stuck a little bit on the word disruption. Disruption. Sure, yeah. That there's something there that needs to be disrupted. I don't think. I and I thought this before I was dealing uh, almost exclusively with women's writings. I um. I don't think that there's a canon. Of, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to talk about the canon of Yiddish literature. Canon requires um a, a, a political, educational, social system. Um, that uh, uh, that supports it. That is, you know, when I used to teach Victorian literature, Victorian literature, uh, the canon of Victorian literature was my syllabus for the semester, according, you know, as far as the students were concerned. So um, we have, you know, we have the Klasikesh, Shalom Aleichem, Mendel, Marcus Farum, Abamovich, and Yudlamit Peretz, and we know that they're part of the canon. Um, and then the additions to the canon have been uh, the authors that people have written about or the authors that people have translated. And I think that's what uh, uh, Mindel and I and the others are trying to do, to include these people also within the structure of our courses and of um, our publications. Uh, it, it is harder to publish uh, translations in Yiddish. I mean, Mindel can speak to this much more uh, uh, broadly than I can. Uh, and it's harder still to do it with women writers. Uh, but, you know, the more we do it, the more it's available for classes and for discussion. Um, it, and I, I meant seriously that first sentence that you, uh, that you just mm -hmm. quoted in that article, that, that uh, it, you know, I, every time that, that I go into an archive or every time that I look at a new work of translation, there's an addition to the canon. Um, uh, I don't. I, I, I prefer to think of that as formation rather than disruption. Mm -hmm. That we're forming it. And one of the. I mean, my 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 latest, you know, favorite example is uh, uh, actually um, pre twentieth century uh, writing. You know, we we talk about uh, the writing of the 19th century of the of the Enlightenment of the Haskalah period, um, and we can name a bunch of names that are male writers. Um, uh, uh, and uh, I was curious to see if there were women writing in this period as well. And there have been a, a couple of scattered translations of short stories of, in, in, of women before the 20th century, but there are, there are more of them, and I find them at least as engaged and engaging as the work of, you know, the male writers I, I would not name here for fear mm -hmm. of you know, all sorts of controversies, but they're there, and why don't we know about them? And um, I mean, in both of your pieces, and maybe each of you can elaborate about this a little bit, you each mention... Um, a number of different writers, some uh, you know who were new names, some 
I mean, the Hava Rosenfarb that was published recently, um, the translation, those are essays. I don't think we had really ever read her work um, in that form before. And then, Anita, you talk a lot about um, the different sort of genres, um, Shira Gorshman's work, uh, Golda Gutman-Kreimer, Rahul Feigenberg. Um, I mean, and they're all writing, you know, works that, are dealing with a lot of different issues and give us great insights into both their lives and history, et cetera. Um, so can either of you or do either of you want to expand on this a little bit in terms of what some of these takeaways are? Well, I'll, I can say just you mentioned Chava Rosenfarb, who, um, you know, interestingly was one of the few women who was known as a novelist, but because she wrote so late, because she wrote um, her novels well after her, her Holocaust experiences, her experiences of World War II, and she wrote into the 1990s and the 2000s, um, the, the audience for, for reading in Yiddish is obviously small, smaller then than it was for writers in the pre-war period. And similarly with Bluma Lempel and Yentamash are, are also both late 20th century and into 21st century writers. So the, the whole infrastructure of Yiddish literature um, was not robust in the way that it was before World War II with, with journals and reviews and collected works coming out and, and a much bigger readership. So it was in, interesting for me to think about how um, you know, their writing careers were, I don't want to say limited or something, but they were just in such a different context than people who wrote before World War II when, when Yiddish literature was growing. And there were, you know, millions of readers. Um, and that that wasn't the same for Lempel or Rosenfarb or Mash and many other writers, not only women, but, but so many of the, that you know, late 20th century generation of, of Yiddish writers. So it's especially interesting for the role of translation is that um, by, by translating the works into English, in some ways it gives those authors a chance to find the audiences that um, were much harder to find. You know, they, I, I talk about in the piece, this essay by Blue Malempel, where she talks about having to completely fund the publication of her book on her own and, serve as the distributor. And, and that wasn't just her. I think that was probably almost everybody who was writing in the post-war period. Um, the challenge of finding audience in, in that context is so hard that these English translations, by, by kind of bringing them into a, a much bigger publishing industry and infrastructure, I think it's really exciting to see how, how the writers will find find audience and it's not so much later from from when they were writing you know these are these are very modern contemporary writers and works so that's really interesting to me how the how translation you know might be able to intervene um, not too long after these um, these authors were writing uh, and and connect their writing to, to different audiences and broader audiences and bring them into these the conversations um, that, that Anita's talking about, right? That there is there is a lot of openness in in Yiddish studies um, because there's so much of this foundational work to be done to um, 
just to explore the, the literature in ways that it's, it's more challenging to do given that uh, Yiddish isn't quite a, a fully functioning literary uh, language at, at the moment in the way that it was before, um, before the war. Can I just add one sentence to this personal one? Uh, I, I've spent my, my professional life in, in an English department, or in the Department of English Language and Literature, uh, and Judaic Studies, but you know, split. Um, and my English colleagues, when I tell them what I'm doing, that I spent last year uh, sitting in an archive looking for uh, prose works by women, they're a little incredulous. What do you mean they haven't been discovered? How do you discover new literature? I mean, Yiddish is important. It's widely published. How they're, they're, these are academics, right, who are just incredulous that we're still doing that kind of work. Um, but it's precisely that kind of work that I think is now uh, essential. Well, um, I want to thank you both for your work, for championing this work through translation and teaching and really prompting these conversations um, and introducing us to work that we otherwise would not have known um, and had the, the chance to read. So thank you both for joining me today. And a quick question before we leave, maybe. Um, what are you both reading? <laughs> I'm trying not to read the newspaper and uh, <laughs> not being very successful at it. Um, uh, you know, it's hard to focus on anything uh, in, 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 this, uh, in this crazy time. Um, yeah. I'm actually reading um, because I'm translating. I'm reading a book. I, I mean, I, I keep reading a book that I'm uh, translating now which is a novel uh, by Celia Dropkin, who's well known as a poet, um, uh, that appeared in the Favorts in 1934 and, you know, promptly disappeared. So that's, it's a, it's a long novel and that's what I'm happily uh, engaged in now. Mendel? I'll, I'll tell you the next thing that's on my list um, because otherwise I would talk about the um, young adult fiction that I'm reading that's really my comfort reading but um, the thing that I'm excited about that I just got in the mail is a, a novel newly translated from Polish the author is Szczepan Twardoch and in English it's called The King of Warsaw and it's a it's a new novel you know it only came out a couple of years ago in Polish but it's about I think it's about um, a, a Jewish boxer in the kind of Jewish underworld in Warsaw in the 1930s and it's translated by, um, by a wonderful translator, Sean Gasper Bai, who's worked with our translation fellowship, actually. He's, you know, a translator of, Yidd of Polish, um, but he's been a great mentor to some of our Yiddish translators. So I'm really excited to see this kind of example of new Polish literature that's engaging with, you know, the, the Jewish cultural experience of, of Poland um, between the two world wars. I think it's going to be great. Great. Well, um, again, thank you both, and um, I so look forward to actually seeing you both in person back at the Yiddish Book Center sometime soon. <laughs> Not soon enough. All right. Stay safe and well, and again, thanks for taking the time today. Pleasure. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. For more on Yiddish and Jewish culture, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. 
Today's podcast was coordinated by Sam Brivik and produced by Sarah Blakefeld. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon. Thank you.